Welcome to Joy of the Eucharist. Lenten retreat. Where we take an in-depth look at the seven deadly sins. Dun, dun, dun. And how the Eucharist is the antidote. The medicine. For their poisonous ways. To ruin your soul. Roll the sin. Ugh, she's at Mass today. I can't stand her. Why does she always look so perfectly put together all the time? There's no way anyone is that perfect. I hate how her hair always looks like she just had it done every time I see her. I wish my hair could be as perfect as hers. She has such a great life, and even our kids look like models. Mine look homeless. And they have so much money. Ugh, we still have that hospital bill to pay. I can't forget to do that today. I bet she doesn't have to worry about money. Money doesn't stress her out. They're so rich. I can't stand her. If people only knew her nose is fake, I wonder if that rumor about her husband cheating on her is true. I kind of hope it is. Serves her right. She wouldn't think so highly of herself if people knew who she really was. Nothing about her is real. I try so hard to be good, and still life hasn't come easy. And it is so easy for her. It's not fair. She's missed so many of our Bible studies. I bet she doesn't even pray anymore. Why does God give her everything and me so little? Envy. I'm so jealous. Yeah, envy. Envy is a a tough one because we see the good that others have and we're like, "Mm, I want that. And there's a, a holy envy and a sinful envy, right? When we see something good, like a virtue or something that somebody else has, and we're like, I'm glad they have it. I'm going to try but and I want grow it that too. and have it too in like a totally holy way, then that's good. But then but if it goes to, I don't about. want them to be a saint. I want to be the yeah. saint. Or like there's not enough and why do they get to have it and I don't. Ugh. This is so unfair. It's like the toddler disease that never leaves. Yeah, but we all have it. We keep it till the last day. Oh, it's so day. gross. Yep. So envy itself is sadness or discontent at the blessings, success, or talents of someone else. In our hearts comes up this sense of injustice, as if we've been cheated because somebody else gets more. It views reality as a competition, and God's blessings is a zero-sum game. If anyone else has more, it must mean that I have less. Sometimes we call this jealousy, but that word better describes not the resentment of another's gifts, but the refusal to share our own, like jealously guarding all that we have and not being willing to put it out there. So So jealousy is a step before envy, right? Yeah, Yeah, they're different, but envy is when we don't want the other person to have it because it needs to be mine. So you take your jealousy to that extent of evil of, I don't want good for that person. There's not enough. What if there's not enough? There's this great myth of not enough in our world. And sometimes... Yes, realistically, things have to be like there. There isn't an infinite supply of stuff. But it like even with our emotions, though. Like I remember when after having our first kid, pregnant with number two, I'm like, I don't know if there's going to be enough love in my heart for baby number two. I love baby number one so much. Mm-hmm. Am I even going to have enough to give? But it's a myth, right? It's totally. False. Yeah, I love number two enough. so much. Yeah, and so the the idea that somehow we'll be missing out or there won't be enough, we constantly have to combat in our hearts, um, or that myth starts to become a reality. No, there's there is because God loves us because He's providing for us. There is going to be enough, and the blessings of somebody else do not diminish the blessings that we have. 
But Father, if God is loving that other person so much, then how could he have any room for me? Any room for more love for me? Mm-hmm. Well, it's just not possible. He's loving little, that person so much. There's one little trick about God that we don't think about enough. What? He's infinite. What does that mean? That means there are no limits. There's no, he ever, he never runs out. Never, love ever. never, never <laughs> runs out on me. That's right. And so that infinite love, that infinite desire for, for blessings um, also means that he loves you infinitely, whether it seems like it to you or not at the time. Yes, we can draw closer to him, but he never draws away from us. Even if we're turning our backs on him, his infinite love is turned into mercy, right? He leaves the 99 and seeks after the one. Well, then that raises the question, what about those times of suffering? What about those times of difficulty? Um, how can God really, How could Father, how can you really believe that God loves me when things aren't going good, um, when things are hard? Well, the saints describe those times, even the times of difficulty, as God sharing some of his most intimate sufferings with us to strengthen us and ultimately to love us, um, bring better through them, to love us more through them, which is a really hard thing to understand. It's a really hard thing to understand. It's like inviting us to be crucified with him, like right. they're nailed to the cross. I don't think I want that invite. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not just inviting us to the cross. He's also through the inviting cross, us He's too. inviting us to the resurrection and the greater good that he wants to bring through it. Every cross ends in resurrection. Every cross ends in victory and glory, Beautiful. whether we see it or not. But it is true that it's hard in the time, right? St. Teresa of Avila has that great quote, um, God, if this is how you love your friends, it's no wonder you have so few. Right? I love that quote. It's one of my faves. Um, but that, but she was able to ultimately find that mystical joy in sharing with him whatever his will is, joys, sorrows, gladness, growth, that deep and abiding peace and joy of, of being with him. So, And it's like what we were talking about in one of our previous episodes about uh, everyone suffers, but not everybody sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And so it's also on us to help him out to make it a beautiful thing yeah when it feels like totally the opposite and looking out looking out at others is not necessarily the way to relate with god in that moment right we have the spirit of comparison the spirit of well why doesn't that person have to suffer then or why do i have to learn this lesson or why do they get this blessing or how come my house is only four thousand square feet right? Mm -hmm. Looking out in that spirit of comparison so easily leads to the sin of envy and takes our eyes off of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, who wants to pour out blessings deeper than just material blessings upon us. But um, these these sins are are related. So vanity, caring too much what other people think of us, vanity is what begets envy, right? Um, St. Gregory says, one deadly sin springs from another. So vanity, we set ourselves up as the standard, right? Everyone should be like me. And then the gifts and talents of others are like, oh, wait, that's better than me or that's not like me? Rut-row, let's envy. So that inordinate desire to be noticed, to be praised, it does damage. But then that desire, it's called vanity. But then when that desire increases and encounters others who are perceived to be better, then it's envy, right? That self-focus, that self-love starts inward, but then when it turns outward, it turns to envy. And it's scary where envy will lead, right? The catechism gives a a scary list of sins that flow from envy. It says in paragraph 
2,539. From envy are born hatred, detraction, calumny, joy, uh, and the joy caused by the misfortune of a neighbor. Right? Can you uh, give us some definitions really quick on all of those things? Yeah, let's go through them. So, So from envy are born hatred. Why do we hate other people? Because we feel as though another has deprived us of something. And that resentment continues to grow in our hearts until it turns into hatred. And you know what I've noticed within myself is I'm much more quick to go to being envious of someone that I feel has done me wrong personally. Like if you didn't Mm. love me the way that I want to be loved or treat me in the way that I want to be treated, which is my own pride, Mm -hmm. right? Then I am quicker to be like, well, I don't want you to have that good thing because you're mean. Yeah. And so then that hatred bubbles up to the surface, which otherwise, you know, maybe wouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. Detraction is a bad one. Detraction um, is the sin of revealing the fault of another. So it's a true fault that another has, but revealing a fault of another to people or to someone who has no need of the knowledge of that fault. Right. So sometimes we talk about gossip and gossip is sort of a mix of detraction and calumny, which we'll talk about more. But gossip, when we reveal the bad things about others that really don't need to be revealed, that's the sin of detraction. Um, We don't all need to know every single terrible thing about everyone. Yeah, but it's so much fun to reveal these things about other people because then it makes me feel better about myself. They're doing that thing that's so bad. Then you know what? I'm all right. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. No sin, evil, bad. So the truth sets us free, but not every truth must be known. Everyone enjoys a right to a good reputation, and um, those sins, which are private, can remain private if they are not necessary. If it's not necessary that they come to light. Ultimately, we know everything will come to light on the last day, but only in the light of God's mercy. And so likewise, we who are talking about our friends, sharing things about our friends, want to always portray them in the best light, the light of mercy. And only to those who absolutely need to know um, sins, failures, struggles of others, should those things be revealed. Just saying them willy-nilly, sharing them with people who have no, no need of that truth, That's the sin of detraction. Take it one step further, make it worse. It's the sin of calumny. Um, Calumny is when we make up stuff about other people. Mm, That's that's a fun one. That's the next step of gossip that's even even uglier when we start to say untrue things about others just to get ahead, just to even the score a little. Um, That's the the sin of puff yourself up a bit. Yeah. And then uh, finally, there's this term in German. Schadenfreude. Oh no, Schadenfreude. We don't have a name for it in English, (laughs) but Schadenfreude is when we take joy at another's misfortune. Oof. So something bad happens to somebody and we're like, yes. Right? Because um, that really doesn't make us, shouldn't make us feel better, but taking pleasure, taking joy at the, the misfortune of another, that's when our heart is really twisted. Um, in this grip of envy, because to rejoice when others rejoice and to weep when others weep, that's a command of the gospel. And So when you're in deep into that sin, then that's time to pause, go to prayer, and look deep within. Because we all have moments mm-hmm. of that. It's so ugly, but we all do. But then the reality of it is what's going on deep within your heart. 
yeah. that's led you to this. So is it your unforgiveness of this person and it's just all built up or what's going on with you? So yeah, take a, take a pause, go to prayer, go to adoration, go to confession and go into a healthy amount of self-awareness. What's going on mm-hmm. with me that I have all of these strong negative feelings towards this person so much so that I'm t- taking it this far that I don't desire their their joy, their good. Maybe I don't even want them to be in heaven with me because I feel like Oof. they're such a bad person. Yeah. If you can't get to at least that, then uh, that I, I desire good for them, I desire heaven for them, then yeah, then we got to do a spiritual detox. And ultimately, so envy, um, invidia in Latin means the, the literal definition is to look at others with an evil eye, right? And sometimes we're looking at the wrong person. Ultimately, sometimes our beef is with God. Worst of all, envy judges God. In Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, um, the landowner asked the workers, are you envious because I am generous? And God asks, can ask us the same question. Like, so what if I bless this person in this way or bless this person in that way? What is it to you? I want to have a relationship with you and bless you. And so we can turn our evil eye from others into the, the loving gaze of God and start to heal those things. Makes me think of the prodigal son story too. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, the prodigal son. So the father, so generous with the profligate son who goes off and wastes everything. And, I, you know, most people, I mean, you identify with both, but um, if you've been the prodigal son, you identify for sure. We've all been there. But also we identify with that older brother who's like, wait a minute, this isn't fair. How come he just gets to waltz back in here? He gets a big party, gets the fatted calf. I don't even get a little goat. Come on. He gets on. all these special things and when then, he messed up so bad. Yeah. Not fair. What the heck, I not put fair. in my time. I never left. I stayed here. I was committed mm-hmm. to you, Father. But then the line that undoes it all, your brother was dead and has come to life. We have to celebrate. Right? So that that in our hearts, when we, we find ourselves there, we have to go to the Father, let him wrap our arms, wrap his arms around us and say, hey, I'm generous. That's who I am. I'm going to be generous to you. I love you. But you don't have to be jealous because somehow it's going to run out or envious because it's going to run out. My love is extravagant. And rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. So the best way then to combat envy, this deadly sin, is with gratitude, right? If we can recognize the good that God has done for us, more than we ever deserve, right? More than we could ever ask for or sum up. Um, if we can count those blessings, then all of a sudden, it doesn't, that myth of not enough starts to go away, right? And when we see the blessings in our own life and how it leads, them closer, leads us closer to God, then when we look out at the blessings in somebody else's life, we can rejoice with them too, right? Because their good is our good. If, if we are really one body united in Christ, then the good of our brother is the good of all Christians, the good of all of us in the church, and an increase for all the souls um, in union with God. See, God's goodness, like we said, is inexhaustible. It's not like it's going to run out. And the soul in union with God rejoices that his goodness is not restricted, but shown in so many ways and so many blessings and so many people in different ways. To know that is to be free of envy in a certain sense, to enjoy the joy of heaven already. The, the different paths and walks that God has for us are, are beautiful, 
And it's so easy to look out at others and be like, okay, that, that should be my path or that should be what God has for me. I know personally in the priesthood, everybody's ministry, everybody's priesthood looks a little bit different. And so me being having this incredible assignment here at St. John the Baptist and for a couple of years at Mount St. Mary's and um, and at the university uh, has been great joy. And I have loved every single minute of it. But on the worst days, I start to look out at what my priest buddies Uh-oh, are doing comparing and comparing and comparison. contrasting <laughs> and saying, well, that person gets to study for a fancy degree. That would be fun to do. Why well, I'm kind of smart. Why can't I do that? Or that person gets to be included in vocations work. I like vocations. Well, why can't I do that? Or, you know, all these things um, that start to distract me and take me away from the beauty, the goodness, the wonderful gift that God has given me in this particular assignment and the many ways he's blessing me. Takes you into the darkness instead. Yeah, trying to t- take my eyes from Jesus to these external things that really aren't going to satisfy me because God knows his plan for me and his way for me and, and the glory that he desires for me. And so trusting that and being open to that is far more fruitful um, than wishing my life were somehow different or wishing I were somewhere else or involved in something else. Like those blessings, um, when I lose the the gift of gratitude, those blessings uh, are missed, fall away. I, I don't notice them. And that's a tragedy. So um, we all constantly have to be on our guard against trying to compare or look out or think where the grass would be greener mm-hmm. and really just kind of Lay in the grass that we got, you and know. And be grateful for Run it. But that's so hard. All of these things. It's so it, it really is just a battle. So mm-hmm. I got to go to the Seek conference <gasps> yeah. in January. I got to go too. It was pretty you awesome. You did? Yeah. Did you have a great time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I saw So you there's there. like hundreds of speakers, all of these really, really powerful people, all these amazing women that are just change in the world with their life. And I'm sitting there being so inspired. And at the same time, I'm like, jealous about this. I'm like, well, I want to bring thousands of souls to Jesus. I want to change the world. Jesus, why don't you use me in big ways? The comparing and um, lack of gratitude for the things that I get to do in my life and what God has done in my soul and everything were then darkened. And I found myself just in this really nasty place in my heart. It's like, this is so wrong. This goes against everything that it means to be uh, in love with God and wanting people to get to to heaven. So that was kind of like a, a harsh, a harsh uh, mm. self-awareness moment for me there. But then stopping and realizing that, taking it to confession and adoration and mass and all of that, um, praying through through that sin and all of those sacraments then really helped me to just kind of calm down and to be at peace and to be grateful mm-hmm. for the things that I do get to do. And all of this talk about uh, comparison makes me think of Therese, mm-hmm. one of my faves, the, the little flower. She's got this beautiful quote. Florecita. Can I read it really quick? Please. Okay, here we go. I understand that every flower created by him is beautiful, that the brilliance of the rose and the whiteness of the lily do not lessen the perfume of the violet or the sweet simplicity of the daisy. The splendor of the rose and the whiteness of the lily do not rob the little violet of its scent, nor the daisy of its simple charm. If every tiny flower wanted to be a rose, spring would lose its loveliness. Such a beautiful quote. 
oh my gosh. The, the plan that God has for each one of us is so unique and so beautiful and so wonderful, but if we wish we had a different plan, if we wish we were somebody else, then we totally miss out on what our own gifts, talents, graces are. So that's where that gratitude, recognizing who God has made us to be and not wanting to be anyone but who we are and who he's created us to be is so great. And then being grateful for what we have. And this great gift that we have, the greatest gift he could ever give us is the The Eucharist. Eucharist. (laughs) That's right. So the Eucharist is, as it has been for all of these, uh, a remedy against sin, a remedy against envy. So if we can recognize what we receive, who we receive, the manifold graces we receive in the Holy Eucharist, then it drives home this point that um, it's the greatest gift of all time. And when we share Holy Communion, it's not diminished. It's not like, oh, let's see how many people in the church there are. They're each going to get a percentage of Jesus. (laughs) No, everybody's going to receive the total Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. We can't run out of Jesus. Even if, you know, we start to run out of hosts and we have to break them in half, because which sometimes does happen, Be right? Be careful with we those miscount. crumbs when you yeah. break them. <laughs> we have to be very careful with the crumbs that we break the hosts in half. It's not as if you receive half a Jesus. Or even if you receive a little crumb, it's not as if you receive half a Jesus. It's all of Jesus. It's why, the that's total why the crumbs Christ. are so important. He gives him his whole self to you. And it's like you were talking about at the beginning, God's love. Um, isn't a, a zero-sum game. God's love is not diminished by sharing it. Actually, like you were saying with your boys, it's multiplied with each um, new gift of life, with each uh, grace, um, with each new opportunity to love. Love is multiplied and not diminished. And so that whole myth of not enough is nonsense. And the Eucharist is that food or that fuel, plant food, to become <laughs> exactly who we're meant to be in unique and um, beautiful ways. However it is that God has designed us to be a saint, that's the way we need to pursue. And we were chosen to be Catholic. We were chosen, we were invited into this Eucharist that others Mm -hmm. don't have. So if anything, go straight to that every single time that you're feeling all those yucky feelings. And thank God for choosing you to become one with through the Eucharist and then tap into the Eucharist. Yeah. And every time praying like, Lord, I want to receive all your graces. I want to be a great saint. I want to have the holiness of so-and-so and and the the sanctity of so-and-so, the humility of so-and-so. But ultimately at the end of all of our prayers saying, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. And he hears those good desires. He sanctifies them, blesses them, returns them to us in the Holy Eucharist according to his will and not ours. And that great trust in his plan that great trust that the Eucharist will bring us to who we're meant to be. That's the work of of gratitude and the work of the Christian life. Why don't we pray? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Loving God, you bestow your gifts and graces according to your good pleasure. You bestow talents and um, blessings beyond our imaginings, but so often we focus on what we don't have rather than what we do. Jesus, give us eyes to see that your love is inexhaustible. Your love for us um, is unique to us and precious, and that we need not look out at what others have and what we don't, but we need to look to you at what you wish to give us. Deliver our hearts from all forms of envy. Give us trust in your plan. And may all those who are listening uh, today to this podcast be richly blessed by you and come to recognize and see those blessings. 
Jesus, we ask for all that we need through the gift of your most holy Eucharist and that you would continue to feed us and nourish us as your dear children. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.